Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Wesker demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host Iris and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley. I don't know. That was actually Scottish. That was like Sean Connery Scottish. Today we're talking a movie from 2021 Academy Award nominated Best Picture Belfast. Seven Academy Award nominations, no less. Did you know that Kenneth Branagh, writer-director Kenneth Branagh, is the most nominated man for Oscars in multiple categories? Acting, writing, directing. Yep this and that and here and there (laughs) this story pretty contained to a very specific neighborhood with very well choreographed background action the opening tracking shot where you've got all the kids crisscrossing in this idyllic neighborhood where catholics and protestants coexist you know very choreographed very staged belfast could have very well been set on a studio lot it felt very staged to me you can tell that the other one was modern Belfast because it was in color. And then we go back in time and it's black and white. <laughs> it turns out all the studios were booked for some reason. So they built the set of Buddy's Street on like a, a lot or a field or something somewhere. Right. Because it's just yeah. that one. I mean, and, and as contained as it is, it also serves to be Buddy's entire world. Basically, mm-hmm. he's at home. He's at school. Sometimes he's robbing liquor stores. But he's... Uh, <laughs> And on the way home, it's, it's, you know, with civil unrest in Belfast, it's like, come right home. And, and that's kind of his world. Yeah. Buddy's world and mom's world or Ma. Yeah. Katrina Belf played Ma. I don't even think she has a name. Nope. And... Ma, Pa, ma, Mom, <laughs> Pop, Pop or whatever Grandpa's name is. <laughs> right. Uh, Granny and Pop. Yep. You know, Ma and Buddy are pretty attached to their home. It's all they know. I get it. But if I was supposed to relate to Ma, if I was supposed to feel her desire to stay in Belfast, I didn't. Katrina Balfe tends to play this beleaguered wife who is kind of a shadow to the the mover shaker dudes in her life. She played uh, Christian Bale's wife in Ford versus Ferrari. And uh, apparently she's in, what is it, Vikings or what's the Scottish one? The Highlander nudity one that, that the sneak keeps talking about. It's What's the... 
Outlander. Outlander. Outlander, yeah. From what I can tell, it's just like a bodice ripping kind of like out in the Scottish Highlands or something uh, show. Anyway, but she just kind of hangs out at home and looks sad a lot of the time or concerned either for Buddy or for Da or Dad or whatever his name is. <laughs> pa. But, but you can't go all that far from home, man. Things are brewing. And we get it from Buddy's perspective, who is obviously meant to be Kenneth Branagh in his youth or whatever. He called it, I think he called it biographical fiction, which is a funny term. Hmm. You know, I, I mean, I guess in that way it's good because we don't necessarily need to understand exactly what, what came to be called the Troubles in 1969 because Buddy doesn't exactly understand it. The idea of leaving Belfast to escape the Troubles is horrifying to him and he pitches a little fit on the floor. On you know, all he wants is what he knows. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, that makes sense for kids like Paloma's like, I, for my birthday, I only want to go to Palm Springs or Mexico. And I was like, fun, that's because you've only <laughs> ever been to Palm Springs and Mexico. Like, there's a big wide world out there. We can go anywhere you want. She doesn't know. And you can't blame her for that. And sure, you know, we'll go to Palm Springs is probably a little bit more accessible than Mexico. And so I get it why Buddy would want to stay home. <laughs> but for Ma, she seems a little, what's the word? Stolid? Uh, yeah. This is her home. This is where everybody knows her. This is where everyone knows her kids. This is a place where she can raise two boys virtually on her own because she knows that the entire neighborhood is out to look after them, except for maybe the pigtail girl who just wants to constantly get Buddy in trouble. I'm not sure why she's recruiting Buddy and not Will, but... Anyway, I was like, who the hell is this Moira? What is what is her deal? I mean, the family's obviously very familiar with her. Like she comes in for the group hug after the big traumatic hostage scene. Yeah, she's just a, a thief and an agitator in the family. I don't know if she's in the family, in the neighborhood, maybe. Right. But to the family, she's like the bad influence kid that keeps coming and messing with Buddy. She's like the mouth that just comes and hangs around. <laughs> right. You got to have the like urchin. And and so, but they don't, the parents don't seem to have, a, you know, they don't seem to look down on her or whatever. Obviously, Buddy has to account for his own indiscretions. And, uh, but still, I can't trust Moira. And I was resistant to her, even as being like an ally who exposes Buddy to all this stuff, because her logic in the robbery is horrible. <laughs> like, it's not smashing grab when everybody in the neighborhood knows your name and knows your face and your family. Yeah, I knew it was doomed the moment they walked in and she's like, hi, Mr. Singh. And then he's like, hi, Moira. And I'm like, wait a second. Grab chocolate and run. So dumb. <laughs> but what I'm saying about Ma is that she should know better. She should know that there's a broader world and that the situation at home isn't ideal. She should know that it's not a good idea to drag two boys into a riot, into a looting frenzy to return laundry. Like, okay, I get it. You don't want your boys to steal, but can they return the laundry detergent after the looting session is over? In the middle of it, didn't they walk in amidst people carrying stuff out? Yes. There's like people breaking windows and throwing Molotov cocktails. I don't know if that's true. And like creating <laughs> and doing like. and making, <laughs> wreaking general havoc. And she's like, let's march right into that and go return this laundry detergent right now. And then why don't I also scold you in the midst of it as well? Man, old school Irish housewife idealism. <laughs> I'm just saying her judgment. If we want to talk about judgment, Moira's not the only one lacking in this film. Sure. 
but you know, she defends what she knows and she's scared of, I guess they're holding it down just barely. And Pa has to go off and work in Australia or, or New York or London or whatever he has to do to send money home, which is very typical. It seems of this era of Ireland, uh, Belfast mirrors closely Angela's ashes, but it doesn't seem like a whole lot has changed from Frank McCourt's 1950s to 1969's Kenneth Branagh's experience. The 1969 experience just feels really dated because of the black and white. and But then it's got this weird, modern-seeming soundtrack. Yeah. Like, did you find that to be really jarring and kind of off-putting, the soundtrack? Well, I don't know about off-putting. How can Van Morrison be off-putting musically? Maybe in person. But when it started, I was like, this is totally a, like a Van Morrison romantic comedy. Where are we going with this? <laughs> and then it stops. But it turns out, yeah, I mean, this was, you know, Van Morrison apparently is a Belfast native, which I, I don't know why I keep saying it. Belfast. He's from Belfast and he's he contributed a bunch of his old songs. But, you know, Van Morrison has been around since this time. It's uh, not out of the question that he was popular at this time and was all over the radio as a local boy. Talk about having a small worldview. I just associated Van Morrison with like ultimate Americana. I don't know that Van Morrison being from Belfast was enough to... To make it feel at home in this movie. It gave it a tone for sure that was uniquely unique and distinct, at least from the Ireland that I know, which is all discord and, and Frank McCourt's Ireland. And Van Morrison wasn't that, which I think gave this movie an air of optimism, even while things were, you know, pretty terrible. It seemed like it was an inevitability that they would shove on, right? Mm, Very mm -hmm. clear Belfast sucks. Even though we love Belfast, it's our national identity, still eventually we're going to leave because if Buddy is Kenneth Branagh, Kenneth Branagh certainly left. Van Morrison certainly left. <laughs> I'm guessing that this family is going to leave. Well, not all families had the opportunity, and it sounded like Pa was pretty well set up. They probably would have been remiss to have not taken that opportunity to give their boys some safety, security, and perhaps a brighter future. I guess I just don't have that same, like, rootedness. I don't share that with Ma. She was very connected to, attached to her home city. And while I'm only a stone's throw from Torrance, where we grew up, uh, I could really imagine myself just going about anywhere for the right reason. Yeah, the luxury, I guess, of having money. It's not just money because I guess this family was better off than some of the other families. But he still had to leave the family. Pa did and go abroad or go afar to earn money to send back home. And um, it was tenuous. It wasn't about can we go somewhere else? It was the uncertainty of going somewhere else when this is working technically for now. You know, we came from Hawthorne, and even though that was our gem, you said Torrance, but still, I remember the, the first decade of my life being in Hawthorne, and while I'm like, oh, Hawthorne, there's no part of me that's like staunchly defends it in adulthood, because Hawthorne kind of sucks, and that part of Belfast seems to suck. <laughs> Hawthorne's up and coming. Yeah. It will be, and I'm sure that Belfast is a lovely place, but back in the day for that moment, it wasn't great. I've been to Ireland and I think I saw that castle that they featured in some of the aerial B-roll. And I've been working on my Irish now, which sounds kind of like new, new, now? new, now? new, 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 still working on it. Working working on it. <laughs> Is this day one, day two? <laughs> Every time they said new, I like would repeat it, yeah, hoping that muscle memory it would stick. 
It's rather like the Australian new, yeah. isn't it? I don't know. Generally, when I try to do accents, it skews into like this weird Australian thing, regardless <laughs> of where it is. We have to decide by Christmas. We have to decide new. <laughs> new. I can't do it. <laughs> Look, and in that way, I guess I can be thankful that we have Share Buddy's perspective about Belfast and the happenings and the, the, the troubles, as they called it, because it can be a deep dive and it could be, oh, the country is Protestant and the church is Catholic. And that's the reason that there was war. But it was just like, you know, riots bad and Buddy good. We got that clear idea that this is his perspective when Kenneth Branagh does like a 360 thing swooping around Buddy's head three times in a row. You mean at the point of the invasion of his street? Yeah, yeah. And you're like, we're in Buddy's world and we're never going to get in the head. We're never going to see the other side, the rioters plotting. or Yeah, Billy, who's clearly a Protestant. You can tell by his name. Yeah. By the way, Billy Clanton and McLowry, did those names ring in your mind? Ike Clanton? Yeah, the, the Clantons and McLowrys were the antagonists to the Earps and to Doc Holliday in, in Tombstone, Arizona. And choosing those names, I get that they're Irish names, but those two in conjunction was jarring for me because there's no way that was coincidence. I thought maybe these guys are like holding up those names as like their gang identities or their street names or something. <laughs> But calling the bad guys, Clanton and McLowry, was, was weird. It was a weird choice. Can't be coincidence. But it was also set up in the script where Moira's talking about how to identify a Protestant or a Catholic and how to bluff gangs in case they approach you and ask about your religion so that you don't get beat up. And she's like, if it's a Billy, it's a Protestant. If it's a Sean, it's a Catholic. <laughs> and like painting it all black and white. And he's just as confounded as we are, right? <laughs> Like, does that stick? I don't. I barely even remember that. It's a curious form of exposition when people are explaining like Moira did or when Grant, Grant Pops, Pop, what was his name? Whenever Grant, whenever elders would say things to Buddy, I was like, oh, I need this information because culturally speaking, mm. I'm as infantile as Buddy is in understanding what's happening in the world around him. But it seems like the components were threefold in Buddy's life. It was his family. It was the unrest in Ireland. And it was... The love story that he had with this girl. And as all, you know, love stories at that age tend to go, he's a little bit misguided in his attempt to succeed to the chair to be next to her and then ultimately, you know, bypasses her completely and relegates her behind. It's brutal stuff. But it's very basic child understanding of this girl's pretty and I want to be next to her kind of thing. It didn't really stick for me either because I figured him for a goner. I thought he was he was out of there. Either someone was going to die tragically and he was going to leave or they were going to leave to avoid someone dying tragically, which is basically what they did. But I think from an adult perspective, it's all about the family dynamic. It's Pa and Ma kind of at odds because he want, they both want the best for their family, but location is what matters. He wants them gone and safe. She wants them there and, you know, as safe as can be. But we paid a lot of attention to the family dynamic, particularly Buddy's grandparents, as evidence, you're like, okay, this is important because we have Karen Hines, who's a veteran, and Dame Judy Dench. I wrote Dame Judy Dench in all caps, and I was very excited. I didn't expect this. Uh, so you know that they're going to play important parts. 
And indeed, Judy Dench was nominated, as was Karen Hines. Seems like the grandparents were the only ones nominated for Oscars in this movie for Best Supporting. Judy Dench, by the way, being the second oldest Best Supporting Actress nominee in history, uh, beaten only by your girl Gloria Stewart from Titanic, who was also 87, <laughs> just a few months older. Wow. 87. 87 and just slaying it, slaying it on screen. James Judy Dame. I want to see what the, say the whole thing. James Duty Jam, Jam Bench. <laughs> Markerberg had an incredible <laughs> Dame Judy Dench just she stole the show. She killed it in every scene. It was just edible and lovely. And I'm guessing that you might have learned a thing or two from their love story as well. Uh Grammy and Pops have have their own thing going on. Yeah. They have that irascible kind of love thing that's that's also, you know, funny. And he talks about her behind her back and stuff. But it's obvious. Like, there was no doubt about their love. Yeah, and I think they teach Buddy and maybe even the audience a little bit about lasting love. I mean, I think what made the pop and Grammy characters most real to me was when they were talking about how when she was wearing those brown stockings, how it lit them up and how... <laughs> he couldn't figure out how to get them off because they weren't actually stockings. They were just painted on her legs. He said something to the effect of like, when you're gray hair, people don't think that you get lit up or that you have feelings or that you remember what it's like to be young. And it just made them fuller characters to me, right? They're not just foils to Buddy. They're not just the loving, doting, stable grandparent characters. Like they were, they were real people. And I think that that served to make their performances really stand out in terms of Oscar nominations. I mean, was that because they were on the page and they were drawn to that? Or was it because they were Dame Judi Dench and Kieran Hines? I agree, yeah. which is the point I was trying to make. We spent, while we're in Buddy's head a lot of the time and we're following his passions and this girl and the movies he loves and stuff. It's also very much about the family, in particular the grandparents that uh, that were really, as you said, showcased. Dame Judy Dench, I will watch her in whatever she's in. Like, she could say, take a look at this picture I did. I play a cannibal. It's quite lovely, really. I'd be like, great. Let me get advanced tickets. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, no, she's she's great. And an interesting pairing with her and Karen Hines because he's significantly younger than her, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and uh, and he worked with your hubby, right? And Kieran Hines yeah. worked with Brian? Kieran Hines worked with Brian at some point. Brian, like, knows that dude. And now he's Oscar nominee Kieran Hines. And Brian should call a meeting. He plays a lot of period roles. He has a very, uh, I like his face. But he, uh, I remember him as Plainview's associate in There Will Be Blood. Oh, that's right. He was kind of a heavy, too, yeah. in that movie, wasn't he? He didn't actually do anything except run away with the kid when uh, the kid got, got blown off the oil rig. Spoiler. Oh, but, right. Uh, but Eli says, you know, what do you do? And he says, I work with Mr. Plainview. Like all ominously? I'm pretty sure he was the head cracker, though. Yeah. <laughs> but a great pair with Dame Judi Dench. He plays old really well. He's got that great moment where he is giving Buddy the space to express how he feels. Remember when Buddy's like, I think Paul wants to leave Belfast? <laughs> then he kind of pauses and then he like graciously gives Buddy the space. He's like, well, and what do you want? And he's like kind of also playing it a little cautiously. And then Buddy's like, I want to be a superhero. 
it's just a really great moment. And there's so many great grounded moments. And obviously without Grammy and Pop, there's no part of the family that stays, right? This movie is dedicated to those who left and to those who stayed. And here's two sides of that coin between Grammy and Pop and Ma and Pa. Dedicated to everybody. Yep. Because Pop checked out, that's for sure. He was like, the importance of family and the love <laughs> of old people, and then he immediately dies. He's not going anywhere. He can't be found. And something else brings Ma around or whatever. Eventually she understands. I think that it was the death, Kieran Hines' death, that acknowledges that they have to get out of there. That and, and the guy swearing, the Clanton or whatever, swearing vengeance. After the hostage scene? Yes. But eventually she relents. And he gets tackled, and it looked like it was going to be much worse than it was. By the way, that shootout, that was where the music was most incongruent for me. It played weird as as mm -hmm. Van Morrison goes. And look, this is the first time that Kenneth Brown, I forget the guy's name, but he had done all of the music for all his other movies. And then all of a sudden, it's Van Morrison. So what do you expect? Yeah, it was weird. I agree. This kind of stuff happens when you look back using your entire life as perspective and you look back and make a personal movie about your childhood. It all kind of blends together. And Kenneth Branagh, yes, he remembers the stuff like when he was Buddy's age. He was also infatuated with this girl in school. He went through the troubles or whatever uh, and also loved movies. So he had to put that in there and had a few movies, none of which are really near and dear to my heart. Although I did get spoilered like crazy for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which I still haven't seen <laughs> all the way through. Come at me, bro. Uh, uh, well, he's always watching movies. He's watching John Wayne Westerns. They're exposed to, you know, American culture and given a sense of a broader world uh, through the movies that they watch. Maybe it's also a little bit of a, an escapism, especially if Ma's keeping them holed up in the house so that they don't get into trouble out in the wide, dangerous world in the, you know, of Belfast. The movies as escapism is an interesting concept because that's what brought, I mean, maybe that, that's the excuse. Hey, I want to make movies and I can't do that in Belfast or in London. Guess I got to go to Hollywood and also leave the troubles behind me. I mean, it's a lot to put a film, let alone a biographical narrative, on the shoulders of a six-year-old, seven-year-old actor. Yeah, and, and as most of these actors of this type, the directors and the stars, they're very protective of him. He is the linchpin, and they praise him. You know, oh, Kenneth Branagh, you're just amazing in everything you've done. Oh, thank you so much. And this this young boy, Jude Hill, was amazing to work with, and I think he has a lot of potential. And it seems you always come back, because people can overlook these kids on which so much rests, you know, on whom so much rests as far mm. as the movie goes. But Buddy was young enough so that he can just be wide-eyed and he could scream and throw a tantrum and he can look afraid when his mom reprimands him or drags him by the ear back to the store. And he was fine. He was a good, wide-eyed, cute kid. It's kind of crazy to see him sitting on a couch between Judy Dench and Kieran Hines. <laughs> like, these heavyweights. Yep. Like, he's so young, though, I don't even think he understands how momentous that is. <laughs> To be just acting in a scene, sitting between the two of them. Right, that he's with on-screen royalty. And I wonder if he <laughs> understood the gravity of that. Are dames royalty? 
they're They're royally distinguished yeah i mean isn't it kind of like being knighted yeah which is not also not royalty i didn't mind buddy's story his his wonder years or whatever tracked fine for me i may not have been emotionally invested in him getting the girl but i thought it was cute i could certainly understand the sentiment of looking at someone who you you think is out of their league and trying your best to kind of enter into that league i feel like it was all for naught because with the sad death of grandpa they were going to head out of there anyway and i don't know why that was one of the catalysts it seemed it still seems like it was we got buddy's coming of age story we've got our family drama on the backdrop of troubles or civil unrest or civil war it's a very interesting time to be coming of age and to navigate what it means to be a family and to make the hard decisions on keeping a family together. We got the Kenneth Branagh layer, and we know that this is a story that's very personal to him. So we got all that. And then what? I'm still kind of left with a little bit of a so what? And is that just indicative of my kind of removal from this particular experience? Even if I am removed, shouldn't this be my entree into it, my insight into it? And it can still be immersive, even if it's very foreign to me. Well, there were the universal themes of love and family. I I was like, you got this is that was the moment, dude. You should have kissed the girl, buddy. That was your chance. That was your love actually moment before you literally leave the country or whatever. Um, You know, Mon, Pon, all that stuff. It was sad when uh, when grandpa went down, but I, I couldn't relate to some of the stuff. I get that it's tragic and that it's hard that you have to ship out. You know, hopefully for greener pastures, but for God's sake, take grandma along. I don't understand it. And so the disconnect, I think, is unavoidable. This is Kenneth Branagh's Roma, right? Albeit with a slightly rosier tint because of the Van Morrison soundtrack. But Roma was intensely personal for Alfonso Cuaron. And I was like, okay, so there's there's unrest here, too. And it's really, tr- oh, this is what you went through as a child? Crazy. And it was also very much about love and about family, and it was very personal. And all those things are great, and frankly, the Academy responds to stuff like that. But I don't remember Roma as tapping into my childhood or my psyche or feelings or emotions. And I think Belfast is the same way. Can I critically regard Roma as an interesting uh, little movie from an otherwise big-time director, which I guess Kenneth Branagh inarguably is, He's done all kinds of stuff and widely nominated and stuff. This is his little personal movie, his Roma, and that's fine. I can't begrudge him, but I don't know if the connection was there like he wanted it to be for us all. It's all subjective. I can relate to some of the things, but we are on the outside trying to connect ourselves to it emotionally, to understand the significance, not just the relevance or the cinematic quality of it. And in that respect, Belfast isn't bad. Uh, I just don't know that it was it resonates as intensely personally as with anyone except for Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> um, which I can't, I guess you can't blame him for that. I'm not really sure what my hangup is about Belfast. I love movies. I love, I can't say I love little girls, but you understand. When I was a little boy, I loved little girls and movies and, you know, I guess family or whatever it just and like running around on the streets yeah 100 percent, and stealing stuff not so blatantly or so obviously or so poorly <laughs> but yeah. i don't know you had your fair share of stealing stuff poorly <laughs> that that's for sure but I, it wasn't so brazen as to walk into a store showing my face 
Well, you'd go in like bandana. That's how you get shot, homie. No, it was mostly like like sneaking into garages in the middle of night and stealing people's soda or, or telephones or something. It's like Franco level, like I'm going to break into your house and just drink all your juice stand juice drinks. Yep. A reference that nobody will get except for you and me and Lance Fisher. But you agree, they should have taken grandma, right? She doesn't eat that much. She can darn socks. It's not like she's going to cause trouble. Why would of they leave Grandma behind? Of course they should behind? take Grandma. She didn't want to go. <sighs> this was her home. This is what she knew. She was too old to start over. In fact, I don't, I'm not really sure why they didn't. Maybe it was because she had to deliver that awesome line as they drove away in the bus. Yeah, great. And then they should have backed the bus up and ran and grabbed her monkey trouble <laughs> style and hauled her on the bus. <laughs> you know what? That might have pushed Belfast over the edge for me. <laughs> <laughs> because as it stands... I, I'm thinking this is kind of teetering into boring territory. Really? I mean, not well. I mean, it, it took a, a while for you to be able to get your head around it. Uh, I watched it and was fine with it. It's an all right movie. I love watching a lot of these performers. It was great. It wasn't bad. One parting question. Why were the bathrooms outside? That's just the way it is, man. Indoor plumbing was not a thing. It's the same thing happened in Angela's Ashes, the way the slums were created. And I don't know that this is a slum necessarily, but many people shared a bathroom. That was typical. And I think the poorer you are, the closer you are in proximity to said bathroom. In the case of the uh, McCourts in 1950s Ireland, they were right next to it. It was outside the door and they had problems with flies. But otherwise, nothing wrong with an outdoor bathroom, unless you're on an airplane. Yeah, if you have a penis and you don't have to, like, touch a whole lot of that bathroom, kind of any bathroom is okay. But uh, I wouldn't wish it on grandma or anybody. <laughs> so I didn't relate to Ma and her desire to stay in Belfast. I thought it was impractical. But more importantly, I don't think that Ma's steadfastness was justified. Like, I didn't get enough of her broader community in Belfast to suggest to me that this was so important to her. And maybe that wasn't necessarily the the burden of the filmmaker. Kenneth Branagh had other things to deal with, especially with, you know, with regards to Buddy's story. And so it's not his fault that I'm looking to Ma to connect with this film. But I feel like her connection and her desire to stay could have more been more justified. And that's not necessarily the reason that I will officially give Belfast a boring. I mean, I feel like I should hedge and give it a good just because it's been nominated for so many Oscars. But it wasn't, it wasn't the film for me. <laughs> Belfast is boring, but Dame Judi Dench is amazing and well-deserving of her late-in-life Oscar that she will win, right? This could just tip the other direction because of James, James, man. James, because of James Judi Bench. <laughs> because of Jim Judi Bench. And lighten up the screen. Can I give it a good boring? No, give the movie a boring, give her a good. Give Kieran Hines a good. Yeah. We're yeah. the SAG Awards. We're, we're now rating the performances. So that's our review on Belfast's seven-time Oscar-nominated film. Let's see how Belfast performs at the awards. But in the meantime, we'd love to know what you think. 818-835-0473 is our phone number or whatever movies at gmail.com is our email address. Subscribe to our podcast if you enjoy listening to it. And thank you for listening to this review on Belfast. We'll see you next time. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. 
We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab, an electric cast production. See you there. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric acid.